So in order to move the one microphone, you just knocked everything off stage. Give it up for Mark. Mark drives all the way from Paulden County to play bass for us and to break our stage. Welcome to Action Church. <laughs> We're in the last week of a series that, man, I have enjoyed. Series are one of those things that I think I've shared with you before. They're weird to me. I start thinking about them almost months in advance of teaching them. So I'm looking, I'm reading, I'm studying about the series. Then we get into the series, and it's new to you, but I've been two and a half months in it. And then you get a month like May, and there's five Sundays, and so the series is five weeks long. And I get to the point where I am officially 100% over the series. I don't want to read about emotions. I don't want to study about emotions. I don't want to think about emotions, but we have one more sermon to get through, and I think today we're going to talk about something that all of us can relate to. I think we're going to talk about one of those emotions that at one time or another in some shape or form affect every single one of us. And emotions are weird. They can literally cripple you if you allow them to. Emotions, they dictate everything we do because emotions just come. You almost can't control the emotions when they're coming, but we do have the power to deal with the emotions when they come. There's nothing I can do to tell you how not to get angry. There's nothing I can do to tell you how not to get sad, how not to get stressed. There's nothing I can do to tell you to stop the emotions that come along in your life. The emotions are the body's natural response to what you're going through. But I can show you biblically how we deal with the different emotions. And we've done that over the last few years. We dealt with the emotion of anger. We talked about there's no sin in anger. Matter of fact, the Bible says in your anger, don't sin. The problem with anger is we don't know how to deal with it, so it leads to us being sinful. But there's no sin in the emotion of anger. There's a righteous anger the Bible talks about. We've talked about happiness, where true happiness comes from. We've talked about the difference between happiness and joy. We've talked about sadness. We've talked about anxiety and stress. And, and today I want to talk to you about what for many people, because it runs such a large gamut, is one of the most crippling emotions there is. I, I want to talk about today overcoming the thing that every single one of us, nobody here is exempt from. And I want to talk about the emotion today of fear. The crippling emotion, the bondage of worry, fear, living our life in the land of what ifs this happens. I, I don't know what it was for you. It might have been when you were a little kid and you were just naturally afraid of thunderstorms. You, you might have been a teenager and you lived in fear that your parents' marriage wasn't going to make it. Now you're older and we have those grown-up fears. We have those, uh, the economy may go down, our retirement may go away, we might lose our job. Well, we live in fear that something is going to happen to one of our children. Some of you do well just to wrap your kid in bubble wrap. But then you'd be afraid they'd suffocate, so that wouldn't work. Right now, some of you are dealing with the fear of how your marriage is going to go. It, it, it could be that you're worried and you're praying about the health of somebody you love and, and you, you're fearful 
that you're going to lose them. What happens? What, what if the next treatment doesn't work? Fear is crippling and it can take control of us and it can almost paralyze us from living the life we were created for. So many people live in fear Every time they get a sniffle or a cough right now, they they live in fear of being sick. And what is the sickness? And what kind of sickness is it? There are times when things are going so well. (laughs) I, I can be guilty of this one. There's times that things are going so well that I live in fear of what's about to come. Christine called me last Saturday at a big festival. It was about 11 o'clock, and she always calls me about an hour before it starts. How's it going? I was tense, and she said, what's wrong? I said, it's going too good. She said, what do you mean? I said, man, we've been here since 6, and there's no issues. Vendors are placed, and there's room for everybody, and everything's working out, and, and no one's cussed us out, and it just seems to be running real smooth. I don't know what's about to come. And I could tell another day, she was like, what are you talking about? It was just running too smooth. You've been there. Your marriage is going too smooth. Your finances are going too well. And we live in the land of what if, but what, what, what's about to come? If we were to be honest today, every single one of us, and it's different for every single one of us, live in some type of fear. I'm swapping, swiping in broad strokes here, so this doesn't apply to everyone, but a lot of men swipe the broad stroke. We live in fear of we're not going to be able to provide. Women live with the fear of they want security. They're natural emotions that come along, but if we don't learn how to control those emotions, they can control us. The Bible says this in 2 Timothy, and I think this is very telling about fear. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. But he's given us a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. That's a huge verse that most of us know and we can read it and we can read it over and over and over and we've heard it talked about. But there's something very important that you need to understand. For God has not given us a spirit of fear simply means this. Fear, the what if... The emotion that you're feeling does not come from God. God's not within a million miles of your fear. Fear doesn't come from God, but God does give us principles on how to deal with that fear. Matter of fact, The most common command in the Bible, it's given 365 times. It's given more than the command to pray, more than the command to give, more than the command to to love. The most common command in all the Bible, 365 times, one for every day of the year is simply this, do not fear. God tells us over and over and over through his word. Don't fear this. Don't let the emotion of fear sink in. Don't let fear cripple you. Fear is not from God. And because of that, with the help of God, 
We can learn to overcome fear because there's no emotion that will take us hostage quicker than fear. Matter of fact, I, I would be willing to say that a lot of the emotions that we deal with, anger, sadness, happiness, stress, the root of those emotions is we don't know how to handle our fear. Our fear sets in so we get angry. Our fear sets in so we get sad. Our fear sets in so we begin to look for false happiness in different areas. Fear, listen, let's write this down. Fear is the opposite of faith. It says faith is the substance of things hoped for, the things not seen. The things that we don't know, the things that we don't understand. We have faith in those things because of who we serve. But when we take faith and we replace it with fear, we don't operate in faith. We operate in fear and fear takes over our body. <laughs> when we, we place our faith in the wrong things, hello? I, I said we place our faith in the wrong things. And it becomes fear. We place our faith in our job. And that doesn't work out and we have fear. We place our faith in our finances and those go away and we have fear. We place our faith in our relationship. The relationship goes south. And we replace that emotion with fear. We need to take our faith and put it on the one who's faithful. That's God, the one who doesn't give us the spirit of fear. The Bible says he gives us the, the spirit of power. He gives us the spirit of love. Never underestimate the power of love. And, and I think most importantly in the battle of fear is he gives us the power of a sound mind. Because so many times fear is one of those things you've got to step back, take a deep breath, analyze the situation, and look at it realistically. How many of you say, Gary, I have some type of fear? How many? Leave your hands up because I want to see which of you are lying. Thank you, 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 thank you. Awesome, you put your hand down. We all have fears. You know, they say the greatest fear that most people have is what I'm doing right now. Public speaking. If you had to bring the large majority of people up here, it would scare the devil out of them. Anybody had the fear of public speaking? Anybody, anybody, anybody? Awesome. Got a lot of arrogant people here. You take after the pastor. You're confident to come up here and preach. I get that. Some people are scared of spiders. We moved in our new house in December. We saw a bug. Back that up. I saw a bug at about 2 o'clock in the morning going to the restroom, because I've hit the age where I go to the restroom about 72 times a night. The problem is our bathroom is right off our bedroom. Now when I get up four months later, how many of you want to do something, you never want to do anything that upsets your wife? You can avoid doing it. You, wanna, you, you don't live to want to upset your spouse. I know this upsets my spouse. But at the end of the day, my fear of seeing spiders overrides that. And so here's the deal. I don't care if it's 1 o'clock in the morning, 3 o'clock in the morning, 3.30 in the morning. I don't care if it's midnight. I'm turning on the light when I go to the restroom. She doesn't like when the light gets turned on. It wakes her up. I hate that it wakes her up, and I love her, and I want to put her first in every area of my life. 
The problem is there's spiders in that bathroom. I haven't seen one since that night, but it's there. Because I couldn't find it that night to kill it. And I know it's waiting and it's plotting to make its move on me while I'm half asleep peeing in the middle of the night. And you're most vulnerable as a man when you're peeing. I mean, you got your pants around your ankles. You're not in a position to fight. And I know the spider is going to attack. So the lights come on. I have learned to shut the door behind me before I turn on the lights. But that's just the way it goes sometimes. There's fear of different things. Some people are scared of snakes. Some people, I know a person who is deathly afraid of clowns. I don't get that. I laugh at it. But it is what it is. A phobia of clowns. It's legit. Uh, we could go, afraid of heights, anybody? Petrified, petrified of heights. So petrified of heights that we go to Top Golf last night. We're on the third floor. There's the green. I stand behind the green. Because in my mind, I am so muscular and so strong that the swing is going to sling me forward over the third floor of the edge. I didn't want to say this because I didn't want to ruin everyone's life. Everybody kept saying, you good, you good, you seem tense. I was tense. Because Brandon, my brother-in-law, is riding the golf club like it's a horse on the edge. I'm afraid he's going to fall over. Some of the people couldn't walk a straight line if their life depended on it. Maybe had been drinking a little bit and they're getting close to the edge. And I sat on the couch the whole time, stressed out, tense in my chest that somebody was going to fall off the edge petrified of heights like i'm so afraid of heights that like we go to the condo in florida i don't want the kids near the railing get away from that railing it's gonna give away it's gonna give away fear man you gotta learn to control it i didn't ask to be afraid of heights but i hate them they stress me out god's not given us the spirit of fear he's given us the spirit of power and love of a sound mind if we're going to set ourselves free from that prison cell, we've got to learn some steps on how it happens. And ultimately, if I had to end the sermon right now, I'm not going to. You get spoiled that way. I would basically say you replace fear with faith, but I'm going to show you what that looks like. But let me give you a working definition of fear today. Very simple this. Fear is placing your faith in the what-ifs. Fear is placing your faith in the what ifs. What if when he's riding that golf cart like on that golf club like a horse, he slips and he falls off? What if at my next event it pours rain and the money that we were counting on to come in doesn't come in? What if I go into my job today and they tell me that I'm no longer needed? What if I go to renew my lease on my apartment and they tell me, man, we're doubling your rent? What if I go out and I crank my car today and it doesn't start? What if I'm walking down the street going to check the mail and bam, right out of the sewer jumps a clown? It's fear. We live in the land of what ifs. Things that have not happened, but what if they happen? And the fear grips us and it controls us. 
There's a story like this that plays out in Exodus chapter 4. It's a dude named Moses. Most of you know the story of Moses. Moses' little boy, they stuck him in the basket because um, his parents didn't want him to get killed. And Pharaoh, the Pharaoh's daughter, the king's daughter, took him in. He was raised in the king's house, even though he was Jew, a Jew. He was raised in the house. He was raised like royalty. Uh, he grows up, and one day he sees an Egyptian slave master and one of the fellow Hebrews, and they um, kills one of the fellow Hebrews, excuse me, and out of anger, Moses lashes out to protect his own people. And he kills the person. He's on the run. And he's out chilling one day, and he's out and kind of worshiping God, and a bush catches on fire, but it doesn't burn up. It's just burning. All of a sudden, a voice comes out of the bush. It's God. It tells Moses, hey, I want you to go set my people free. And immediately, look how Moses responded. Moses answered, what if? What if they do not believe me or listen to me? What if they tell me, hey, the Lord didn't appear to you? Think about this. Moses has just been called by God to go set his people free. I, I don't like to think I'm a person of great faith. I, I don't want to sit here and act like I had this great faith that's better than everyone else's. But I like to think that if I'm chilling on a mountain and the bush catches on fire and it doesn't burn up and all of a sudden God starts talking through the bush, I'm like, cool, I'm in. I'm going to go back, make sure I ain't smoked nothing, snorted nothing, popped nothing that made me imagine that was going on. Once I've checked all those things off my list, I'm like, cool, man, it's what God wants me to do. We're doing it. Moses immediately went into fear mode. What if? These things hadn't even happened yet. That's what fear does. Fear begins to play the negative situations in our mind. In the midst of hearing the audible voice of God, process this in your mind, in the midst of hearing the audible voice of God, Moses goes into fear mode. Well, what if? Well, what, what if I quit my job and I don't have any customers right off the bat? Because I had so much security getting that first and 15th check. Oh, even though they laid me off when COVID hit and I didn't get paid through all that, but, but, but that was security in my mind. What if? We live in the land of what if? God's talking to him. The creator of the universe is verbally talking to Moses. He's in the very presence of God. And immediately he does what we do. Fear gripped him and he goes to worst case scenarios. I mean, we, we could buy this house, but well, what if the economy drops? Man, we could go on that vacation, but, but what if something happens? We get back from vacation, and we wish we'd have had that money. It, it, it's something, oh. I know it's a playground, and my four-year-old, he wants to go play on it because that's what four-year-olds want to do, but, but what if he falls and breaks his arm? Hey, Mom, he'll survive. But we live in the land of what ifs. We're, we're, we're gripped. And, and, and because, <laughs> Because we're gripped with fear, we settle. can't tell you how many ladies I know that are entered into bad relationships because they had the scenario of, what if I grow old alone? So they settle. 
What if I never get the job that I wanted, so I'm going to settle for this job, but I'm going to become imprisoned to something that I don't want to do? Fear grips us. Worst case scenario comes in. Instead of operating in faith and believing that we have a God who knows what's best for us and owns the cattle on a thousand hills and knows every thought and has our hair, hairs on our head numbered, and he says he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Instead of forgetting about him, we go into fear mode. If I never find, find, find a spouse, I know this guy's a jerk. And I know he's got every red flag there is. But maybe I can change him. Worst case scenarios. There's some interesting things about fear, too. You know, I wrote these down this week. What you fear the most reveals what you value the most. Ooh, that's good preaching if a white boy is doing it. What you fear the most reveals what you value the most. If that wasn't the case, you wouldn't be obsessed over it. You wouldn't be worried about it. If you're worried about your marriage, what does that mean you value? Your marriage. That's a good thing. So many people, that they're so stressed, that their fear is of losing their job and being able to pay their bills. Why? Because they value security. They value security. Live their whole, whole life to have all this money in the bank, but won't ever do anything with the money. And you ought to be smart with your money. I'm not saying spend every dollar you make. But you don't get to take it with you when you go. To enjoy it. You earned it. Have fun with it. I just like to see it. Because you value that security. Maybe something in your past uh, will set you up where you didn't have that security. I, I get it. I'm actually a very fearful person about having an old car. We bought a new car this week because I'm fearful of having an old car because I used to have cars that broke down all the time. I value being able to get from point A to point B. It's the way I'm wired. I mean, think about it. You, you live in fear of something's going to happen to your kids. It, it reveals that you value your kids. There's nothing wrong in valuing your kids, but the problem is what we value often leads to our biggest fears. Because we don't have a grip on our fears. Instead of turning our kids over to God in faith, we turn to ourselves in fear. Instead of turning our finances over to God in faith and the principles he's laid out, we handle our finances with fear in the way that we think knows best. How's that working out for you? It... it, we fear what we value. What you fear the most reveals what you value the most. Second, write this down. What, your, what you fear reveals where you're not trusting God the most. What you fear reveals where you're not trusting God the most. So it reveals two things. It reveals what you value. That's a good thing. It's a good thing to value that. But when you're operating in fear instead of faith in that area, it reveals that you don't trust God in that area. Because if you truly trusted God in that area, you would operate in faith in that area instead of fear in that area. There's not a lot of areas that I operate in faith in. I'll be honest with you, I'm a control freak. I like to control things. I know you find that amazing. 
But I will tell you one of the areas that my wife and I are probably the most different, she's grown a lot in that area, is in the area of money. I trust God with all the money. I go spend it all and figure God's going to bring more in. That's how it's always worked. We have good principles with our money. We buy what we want to buy. She came from a background of not being able to do that, and so sometimes it grips her. Other areas. She operates in faith when it comes to our kids. She's awesome at it. I can tend to operate in fear when it comes to our kids. Because I know what a sleaze bucket teenager I was. So I know every little sleaze bucket boy Emily brings home is a sleaze bucket piece of trash. If his mom's watching, yes, I'm talking about him. But he's a good kid. I'm sure he is, but he ain't a good kid to me. Operating fear in that area. Operating fear with Luke. I don't want to mess that up. Christine tends to operate in faith, so we have different areas that she's very good in, and areas I'm bad in, and areas vice versa. We don't trust God in that. It can control us. So here's what I want you to do today before I go any further. We're going to be short today. I want you to pull out your phone. Or I want you to pull out your notebook if you're taking notes. Because I want you to write down. No one next to you is going to look at it. I'm not going to ask you to stand up and say it. But I want you to think about the thing today that you fear the most. And what is it? I, I think it's important. What is the area that you would say, Gary, I'm not trusting God with blank. Therefore, it's leading to me being fearful in that area. You say, why is it important? It's important. Because you cannot defeat what you will not define. You cannot defeat what you will not define. I think it's vital. Fear is gripping people. Matter of fact, we live in a day and time where the media and everything preaches fear. We're surrounded by fear. And the things that grip us the most are the things that we value and that also reveal to us the things that we trust God the least in. What's the thing? I want you to write it down. It's important. Write it down. You're going to put your head in the sand like you don't have an issue. You will not get victory today. You should have stayed home. Because before I can give you what I came to the conclusion is two steps on how we begin to move out of fear, we got to know what it is. First thing we're going to do, we're going to acknowledge our fear and choose to trust God anyway. We're going to acknowledge our fear. You've just acknowledged it. It's okay. But we're going to trust God anyway in the midst of our fear. We're going to acknowledge our fear and trust God anyway. I'm not going to close my eyes and say, I'm not fearful of this. I'm going to say, this is the area of my life that I need to work on. I'm fearful of blank, so I mask it with drinking. I'm fearful of this, so I mask it with gambling, narcotics, hurts, habits, hang-ups, whatever it is that you're masking the fears in your life. 
because the fear in your life is consuming you. Fear that maybe you've messed up so bad that God couldn't love you. I don't know. Fear that nobody could ever love you the way you are and be in a relationship. Fear that you'll never be financially stable. Fear that, that you'll lose your relationship with your kids. Fear that you'll lose your relationship with your parents. Fear of death. I, I don't know what your fear is today. But you're going to acknowledge it. You're going to trust God. You're not going to close your eyes anymore. You're not going to say this is not happening. I don't have an issue. We're going to be honest. You know who the hardest person is to be honest with? Ourselves. I always thought it was funny when I went through all my crap years and years ago. And I'd run to people and they'd say, I think what hurt the most was you lied to me. And I'm like, well, yeah, you idiot. I was lying to myself. So who do you think you're so special? Like you think I was lying to myself but was going to tell you the truth? Well, sin does. And fear sinful. Because it's not operating in faith. My heart's heavy when it comes to blank. Blank keeps me up at night. You've acknowledged it. You've written it down. Now you're just going to trust God in spite of it. You're going to be real with God. You know why it's so great to be real with God? He already knows. I don't, you ain't ever confessed anything that God's like, what? You did what? I have seen some crazy shish in my life, and you just did what? I'm learning not to cuss on stage. Baby steps. Shish, I don't know. Is that a word? Christine's like, there's new people here today. Don't cuss and run them off. Okay. No promises next week. <laughs> he already knows. He's simply waiting for you to catch up with what he already knows. He knows you don't have faith when it comes to how the finances are going to come in your house. He already knows. He's just waiting for you to get on the program. He's waiting for you to acknowledge it and trust him anyway. He already knows that you're stressed about that teenage kid you have. He's just waiting for you to chill out and accept it and trust him in the process. It's exactly what David did in the Old Testament. I love the story of David. I, I literally could take an entire year and preach on David. David is anointed by Samuel to be the next king of Israel but at the time he's anointed to be the king, there was a problem. Somebody else was king. Saul was. Saul gets wind of the fact that David has been anointed to be the next king, and everybody's talking about this guy, and he's the guy with the Midas touch on the battlefield, and every army he faces, he demolishes, and Saul's super jealous. And so he puts a hit out on David's life. David literally spends years and years of his life on the run, running from Saul and his army. Do you think that qualifies a life of fear? I think it would. But you know what David chose to do? Look what the Bible says. Psalms 56. My adversaries pursue me all day long, and their pride many are attacking me. When I am afraid, when I am fearful, here's David saying, I am fearful of this. What am I fearful of? The fact that my adversaries are pursuing me. The fact that the king's army, it's a natural response. They want to kill me. I'm fearful of that. But he says, 
When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. In God, I trust that I am not afraid. And then he gets cocky. He said, what can mere mortals do to me? He said, I'm acknowledging it. I'm fearful. I'm afraid for my life. But when I get to that point, the only way that I can get through that point in my life is to put my faith and my trust in God. And he said, when I put my trust in God, what can mere mortals do to me? They can't do anything. I'm fearful that I can't pay the mortgage. But I trust in God. What can the bank do to me when God's about to write me a check? Nothing. Well, what can the bank do to me when God's putting so much work in my lap and providing for me and my family? I'm fearful of the relationships in my life are all bad, but I'm trusting God, and God's putting all these healthy people around me. You're just not noticing them. Ladies, you keep putting the person God wants in your life in the friend zone. It's not what I want. What you want is it's led you to a bunch of heartache. Oh, did I say that? Maybe you got poor judgment. Trust him. In God is who I'll praise. In God, David says, I'll trust. <laughs> I like that cockiness. What can mere mortals? Yeah, God. These peons do to me. Y'all are unlearning that. Mere mortal. He said, I trust in God, not my fears. God is who I trust in. I trust in God, not my finances. I trust in God, not my job. I trust in God, not my relationships. I trust in God, not my vehicle. I trust in God, not my retirement. I trust in God and not my plans, but his plans. When I'm fearful and fear's natural. You accept it. You acknowledge it. And then you trust God with it. You go back to all the times God's got you through it. What can mere mortals do to me? That's, a, that's a, it's an interesting question. Because let's remember it was Saul that was chasing him. Saul's the king. Saul's got an army. Common sense tells me there's a lot that mere mortals can do to him. <laughs> Mike, the first thing that comes to my head is they can kill me. <laughs> but he says it in such a way that he says, you know what? Nobody can do anything to me that God doesn't allow. I know what he was saying. He said, God's already appointed me king. He's not going to allow Saul to kill me. He's already got a calling on my life. There's nothing Saul can do about that. It's an amazing paradigm shift when you transition from fear to faith. When you transition to realizing that God is in control. We all have fears. I have this huge fear. I'll give you my biggest fear. My biggest fear is in wasting my life. I don't know why I have this acute awareness that I only got one shot at life. 
When I turned 40 years old, it was hard for me because I thought to myself, man, my life is half over. What have I accomplished? What have I done? Have I made the place a better place? Have I impacted anybody's life? Like, it's hard for me. I, I want to know that I didn't waste my life. So I have to acknowledge that because it can literally consume me. And I have to trust God in that. And I also have to realize that my definition of wasting my life and God's definition of wasting my life are two different things. I have four kids that would tell you, I hope, at the end of my life, that I didn't waste my life. I molded them into what they are. I have a wife who I hope would say, depends on what day of the week you ask her, she's learned a lot. Her life's better because I've been in her life. I got a lot of enemies in this community that have left over a lot of stupid reasons. But I hope when I'm dead, and they don't have to be prideful about the fact they don't like me anymore, they'd be like, you know what? He made an impact on my life. I ran into someone last week at my festival. This individual has talked smack about me for 12 years. He was a vital part of my life pre-action church. Walks up to me, hey, Gary, how you doing? I had to admit immediately I was tense. I was like, I'm good, how are you? I was going to use the fact that I had an event going to be like, do the hit and run. And I went to walk away and he still had my hand. And literally I stopped, rolled my eyes back in my head, said, what's up? He said, I just need you to know, um, I was just telling my wife when I saw you walk by about 20 minutes ago, I'd have never met Jesus without you. And he's right. I remember walking out to his car on a Sunday morning. I was meeting in the movie theater, and he was drunk and passed out. So what are you doing? Oh, I had a rough night. I said, yeah, it looks like you had a rough night. Why don't you come in and grab some coffee? Movie theater open? I said, no, but a church meets in here. He came in. Now he's a worship leader. He sings all over the place. And he's been used to God, but he's had this issue with me. I don't care. I'm not looking to be his best friend. But it meant something to me. To know that God had used me to impact him. See, we got to trust God in those areas. When we feel like we failed and have let everyone down, you got to trust God in those areas to realize you're having an impact. It's easy. I don't acknowledge my fear. I had to sit about an hour and a half alone in my office this week trying to figure out how to articulate that fear. Because I knew what it was. I couldn't figure out how to put it into words, what drives me. It's the fear of wasting my life. I don't want to waste my life. I watch people, by my definition, waste their life, and I don't get it. I love life. I think it's amazing. And I live in fear of wasting it. But i got to trust God that I'm not wasting it. We're at number two, and we're done. We're going to get out of here. We're going to seek God until he takes away your fears. You're going to seek God until he takes away your fears. You're going to seek God through prayer, through this book, through accountability with other believers, through driving down the road and just turning on some worship music and having some alone time with God. You're going to seek God until he takes away your fears. Look what David wanted to say. He said, I sought the Lord... And he answered me. And he delivered me from all of my fear. 
You're going to seek God till you get this thing the Bible talks about that's called the peace that passes all understanding. God will begin to reveal to you ways in which to take away your fear. I've learned the biggest way to deal with my fears is to deal with it in truth. I'm so worried about X, Y, Z. Well, step back and examine X, Y, Z. Sometimes you can't examine X, Y, Z, so you need to bring someone else along in your life and say, hey, look at this situation. For years and years and years, my wife's fear was lack of security that came from financial, having money in the bank or being able to pay the bills or whatever. She's done awesome in that area. And God has begun to take it away from her. But just this week, we've had to move some things around. We've started some different businesses. So things might look low over here, but it's over here and over here. It's invested over here. And she said, we're down to blank in the account. And I, I, we just need to be careful. And I saw that fear swelling up in her. So I could have got mad about it. And I could have rolled my eyes because as a man, we want to provide our fear is not to provide, so I, your wife's worried about money. I must not be doing my job. And I said, well, so I need you to remember some things. I said, the amount of money you just said that's in our account is the most money we've ever had in that account, ever. And I said, but don't forget this business account over here has this amount of money in it, too. Well, I, I, I don't see that. I said, it doesn't matter if you see it, it's there. And I said, this account over here has this money in it. And, and I said, don't forget we invested this amount of money into this over here. And while I don't want to take it out of here, if we have to, we can take it out of here. And I said, so really, what you think we have, we have three times that amount. And what you think we had that's got you all stressed out two years ago, we would have been rejoicing that we had that much. Just had to show truth into it. And immediately she's like, yep, that makes sense. And didn't bring it up again to the point she went and bought a new car yesterday. That's how I should have never told her we had any money. Fear is taken away by God. Because you know why it can get taken away from, by God with her in that particular area? Because just in the seven years that we've been together, she can go back and be like, yeah, God handled that. And God took care of this. God took care of that. And when you get, begin to look back and see how God's works in your life, it's easy to go back and remember, I don't need to be fearful, I need to be faithful. Because God's been faithful to us. You and your spouse aren't doing good right now. I get it. Marriage is freaking hard. Like if it was easy, everybody would do it. Everybody does do it. If it was easy, everybody would do it successfully. Who's been married the longest here? 20 years? 20 years. 20 years of marriage. Raise your hand, raise your hand, raise your hand. 30 years of marriage. 30? Anybody? Back there in the back corner. Who is that back there? I can't even see. Is that Robin in there? 35 years? Chuck and Laura. Oh, Tanya May back there. She put up a film A for 30 years? I thought you were 29. 36 years. 37. So Chuck and Laura are the longest. Chuck, how many years? 
36 years. You ever had any bad times in those 36 years? One. <laughs> Laura, <laughs> you ever had any bad times in those 36 years? Yeah. So guess what happens in their life when they hit bad times right now? They just go back and remember all the other bad times and how God got them through those times. You don't think Laura's wanted to kill Chuck? He was in a band. That right there is worth killing him. And he looked like Nacho Libre back in the day. Come on. When is you go back and you remember all the other times that you got through? Someone asked me one time, they said, when you step out in this idea, are you worried about losing everything? And I tell you, I'm never worried about losing everything. I've been there. I've done that. I've got the T-shirt to prove it. I don't care. I've got to make sure she's okay with it. But I'm cool with it. I don't, I don't live in fear in that area because I've seen the faith that God built in me getting me through it before. So God will take away your fears. The key is we got to acknowledge him and trust him anyway. And then we just got to seek him until he takes those fears away. Fear is natural. Fear comes. How you handle that fear determines the life you'll live. How you handle that fear, if you allow the fear to continue to operate as fear, you'll go nowhere. If you can take that fear and translate it to faith, it's an emotion that will change your life. And if you can get a grip, I did this one last intentionally, because if you can get a grip on fear, you'll be shocked how all the other emotions fall into place. Let's pray.